0: Welcome to the Hall of Heroes podcast with your hosts, Jared Buckman Stubbs and Matthew Sterling. I am vengeance. I am the knight. I am Batman. Hey guys, you ever seen that really old movie, Uh, Empire Strikes Back? Jesus, Tony, how old is this guy? I don't know, I didn't carbon date him, he's on the young side. Uh, Fuck that man. You ever tried shawarma? There's a shawarma joint about two blocks from here. I don't
1: know what it is, but I want to try it. Lobo. Oh, it's on.
0: <laughs> Let the good times roll. <laughs> Go. And welcome, everyone, to a brand new episode of the Hall of Heroes podcast. I am your host, Jared Bachman-Stubbs, and joining me as always is the one and only Spencer Simpson.
2: Good afternoon, everybody. We got quite the news dump for you this week in the realm of comic books, and we're really excited to tell you about some of this stuff. Jared, you want to tell us how your week's been going, what you've been up to?
0: Yeah, um, my week's been really good. Um, got to go see Captain Marvel, which our review for that is going to be the last episode behind this one. Um, we just dedicated a whole episode to Captain Marvel, and that's probably what we're going to do for movies, and just do like a whole review episode and then a news episode. Excuse me, hiccups. Um, but no, my week was really good. Uh, Lexi came home on spring break. We got to hang out a little bit. Yeah. Uh, you know, other than that, you know, like I said before, just working in the gym and doing do back stuff, buddy. How about you?
2: Uh, not too much. I got some schoolwork that I have to do this week. I got a paper due basically every Friday for the whole month of March, which, you know, shouldn't be too bad as long as I can hunker down and pay attention. But why in the world would I want to do that when there's so much comic book stuff to talk about, right? <laughs> so
0: you know Dive headfirst, you know. You yeah, and <laughs> comic books always come and, first, and it's going to be comic book movies every time.
2: Um, Basically, we got a ton of stuff to talk about today, so why don't we dive straight into it and get going here?
0: Yes, absolutely. Uh, like I, there, it looked like it was going to be a light week last week, and then our schedules didn't exactly line up. Our schedules didn't exactly line up and then we were like, "Okay, we'll just hold off and then record on Sunday and do our normal episode and then Captain Marvel. And then the news dump exploded. All we had was basically um, the first three stories and then there was another four that broke um, as the week went on. So we're going to hop right into this. Uh, starting with Kevin Feige saying that the Disney Plus Marvel shows are going to, sig- are going to play a significant part in the MCU post-Endgame. Uh, Collider reports, while Netflix may have just canceled all of its Marvel TV shows, Marvel is gearing up to launch its most substantial TV endeavors yet. We learned last year that as part of the upcoming Disney streaming service, Disney Plus, Marvel Studios is creating a number of brand new series that may be limited in nature. The only one confirmed thus far is a show centered around the character Loki, starring Tom Hiddleston himself, but other series purportedly in development are a Vision and Scarlet Witch show starring Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany, and a Winter Soldier Falcon team-up series starring Sebastian Stan and Anthony Mackie. These shows are shaping up to be a departure from the existing Marvel shows in a very big way. For one, they're going to star the actual movie stars, likely due to the fact that they're going to be limited runs, so the actors only have to commit to anywhere between six to ten episodes at a time. For another, they'll be, they'll be run by an entirely different creative team. Indeed, shows like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and The Inhumans and the Netflix series like Daredevil and Luke Cage were overseen by Marvel Television, which is run by Jeff Lowe. The arm of Marvel is separate from the Marvel Studios, which is run by Kevin Feige, and oversees all the movies. This is why there was very little crossover between those two Marvel shows in the film before between those Marvel shows and the films. The creative teams are working were working literally separate. Um but that won't stop that won't be the case with Disney Plus shows. I keep getting my tongue tied. Which will fall on <laughs> Marvel Studios purview. I promise I can read. I'm, I'm a very literate person, I'd like to think. Um Clatter's on Steve Wattenbaut Wine War, Wein, Weintraub. Never saw that name here before. Recently spoke with Feige at the press day for Captain Marvel and asked about the Disney Plus plan significantly how many episodes will be – or specifically how many episodes there, each show will be. Feige says that they will vary in length depending on the story, which he finds mighty exciting. And this is a direct quote from Feige. All the above – yeah, I mean it's going to be a story dependent and that's so exciting about the streaming platform. Is there's any? There's not any rules necessary. For us to have another outlet to tell stories and to play with the medium, and to and to do, and not just deeper dives on characters that we've seen many times in the MCU, but haven't been able to devote six, seven, eight, nine, ten hours to, is amazing, and it's something that we've been working on for a very long time now, and still aren't going, and we still aren't going to announce outside of the Loki series with Tom Hiddleston. Most intriguingly, Feige underlined the fact that these Marvel Disney Plus shows will be very connected to the MCU and an integral part to what's happening after Avengers Endgame. It's been, extremely at, it's, an, it's been extremely additive to the entire creative arc, not just to the Disney Plus programs we're working on, but to the entire post-Endgame MCU because we're able to weave them. Because we've been able to weave them. Jesus We've been able to, for the first time, conceive of them together, and they will be intertwined with each other. Indeed, previously, Feige and the Marvel Studios folks couldn't necessarily plan out a big crossover with Captain America Civil War and Marvel's Jessica Jones, because that film and the TV show were being developed by entirely different people in entirely different departments. But with the Disney Plus shows... They're all being developed in line with the timeline of events and films that Marvel Studios is plotting for the MCU so they can more seamlessly integrate with one another. So for those of you who are dismayed at never seeing Matt Murdock or Danny Rand make any sort of significant impact in the Marvel movie universe, rest assured that Disney Plus shows will be a very different story. For more from Feige, read our recent stories below. From uh, look, for, uh, look for our interview on Collider soon. Um, So the rest of that is uh, Collider stuff. Um, That's really exciting because exactly what they said there, that it's a little disappointing that we never really got to see, you know, the Defenders team up with the Avengers, which I was really hoping was going to happen in Infinity War. Like I was hoping to see um, a lot more of the TV stuff tie in. Unfortunately, it didn't. And that continuity is really one is a very much a one way street. Um yeah, I know you said you haven't seen much, if all, or at all, of the Marvel Netflix stuff, Spencer.
2: Oh no, actually I haven't really done anything. I saw most of the first season of Agents of Shield, but that was ages ago. And since then I haven't really touched it.
0: Well, a lot of the, the that material. Um Agents of Shield is like the one exception that has like a little bit more to do with the movies. Yeah. Um, there's there some like there's definitely whole, some tie in there. Yeah, there, there was uh, – Nick Fury makes a couple cameo appearances in that show. Um, there's a couple uh, – the, the main one that I remember was in the lead-up to Age of Ultron. Um, they made a big deal about, like, Coulson having, like, a secret project going on the entire season and no one knowing what Coulson was up to. And his whole secret project was um, getting the Avengers their, like, secret – um, armada of helicarriers mm. and that was what was going on with that um,
2: and even um, leading up to Winter Soldier I remember hearing that there was all kinds of suspicious uh, stuff going on involving uh, Hydra coming out of the closet as it were as, the, as yeah. the underground operation within S.H.I.E.L.D. I remember reading that there was a, a significant amount leading up to Winter Soldier as well
0: Oh, yeah. Once, once Winter Soldier happened, um, like, like that fallout affected the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. show directly. Like S.H.I.E.L.D. fell apart in, right in front of us um, when the events of uh, the Winter Soldier happened. Um, but that's what but I was besides saying. Besides like, that. But that's the thing is like the movies affect the TV a lot. Like basically every season of each Marvel Netflix show, somehow the Battle of New York comes up. Which makes sense because they're all taking place in, you know, Harlem and Hell's Kitchen and whatever. So it makes sense that those events come up frequently. But that that's that's it. Like it's normally they will reference the movies, but the movies don't have any real reason to address the TV shows. Except for those brief moments like Coulson being the one to uh, facilitate the helicarrier that shows up to help uh, during the Battle of Sokovia. Um. So knowing that this is going to tie in a lot more makes me really happy. Of course, they need to um, kind of balance themselves out because you can't overdo how important the TV shows are because then you'll have your casual fans who just go and see the movies who, you know, if if something crazy happens with Bucky or Sam and their show – And it's just abruptly just, oh, yeah, and this is a completely huge character change between movies. The general public isn't going to understand what happened with those characters unless they take the time to explain what happened. Um, But this is really exciting stuff. And and, and this even more makes me hope that um, the Marvel Netflix stuff gets revived on Disney+. Plus. And not Hulu, because then this way, if there's more direct control from Feige, nothing against Jeff Loeb, obviously. But if there's more like Feige involvement, that makes me think that there's going to be more. Okay, like here's our chance to get Daredevil in the Avengers or Luke Cage in the Avengers and stuff like that. But it's really exciting stuff. And I'm super I'm super hyped, especially if that uh, Winter Soldier Falcon show pans out
2: yeah yeah That's the one I'm and looking forward to and uh and as feige pointed out the the streaming platform has nearly endless potential for for tv shows uh, whereas um you know agents of shield had to to fight with with um for airtime and stuff like that and eventually got put on netflix um with the streaming services there's so much potential for a deeper dive into some of these characters and so i think like you were saying the 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 disney plus platform i think will will really do the the tv show portion of the mcu and like like i said it's just i'm really encouraged by the the potential for all these tie-ins that we didn't have before so i'm i'm really looking forward to it
0: absolutely it's going to be really cool like like i said i really want to see the uh um i want to i want to see sam and bucky give uh the steve and bucky bromance a run for its money
2: oh yeah and we saw
0: we saw a little taste of that in (laughs)
2: civil war uh when they had their moments together sort of that that love hate relationship sort of a thing and i would love to see that us, us get some of those sarcastic moments but also uh uh a truer, uh, more friendly bond form between the two of them.
0: Absolutely. I also like the um, – one of my favorite moments in all of Civil War is whenever Steve like makes out with Agent 13 and it just cuts back to Sam and Bucky in the car just like smiling and nodding their heads for him. <laughs> it's one of my favorite moments in the whole movie. Like, It's just so goofy. And and right now their mutual bond
2: with Steve is the thing that holds their uh, camaraderie together. And right after they were smiling at him, they were like glaring at each other for a second. And <laughs> and even some of the sarcastic remarks whenever they're fighting at the airport, and and Spider Man is like webbing them up to the ground. And, and Falcon uses his, his little, his little drone to like take Spider-Man out and and Bucky makes some snarky comment and Falcon's like, I hate you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You couldn't have done that sooner. I hate you.
2: That's That's it. You know, that's the kind of stuff I love to see between characters, but I think there's so much more potential for a, for a true bond there that a team up TV show, or even, even, you know, five or six episodes in, in a series do a lot to develop that relationship
0: now this is complete you know uh you know get your tinfoil hats on here um (laughs) in the event that captain america does not make it out of endgame alive i would really enjoy seeing the bucky sam show be centered around both of them working together to live up to Cap's legacy and seeing them, like, honor Steve's memory. And, and that way we get the best of both worlds where, like, there's the whole debate. Like, ooh, is Falcon going to be the new Captain America? Is Winter Soldier going to become Captain America? How are they going to do that? I'd really like to see the best of both worlds. And we, A, get to see um, Falcon's Captain America costume on the big screen. Um, first of all, just because that suit was just one of the best, but well, it was probably one of the best design superhero costumes in like the past five years, in my opinion. Um, this because the wings made it look so striking, but I think that'd be a really,
2: totally. I agree with you.
0: And I also like the really like the huge, like the black, black accented captain America costume that Bucky wore. Um, I'd love to see both of them take up that mantle. Um, together in the event that Steve doesn't make it out alive and we can see them as a unit. Um, but yeah, absolutely. really exciting stuff coming out of Disney+, Plus. always between all the Marvel stuff and, that's to say, nothing of uh, The Mandalorian and the Cassian Andor show and uh, the Clone Wars revival, you know, all kinds of cool stuff. Um, yeah, absolutely. You want to take it away on this next yeah, one? sure, sure. So it's for those of you... Holy crap, I just realized this is the first episode we've done where there's more DC news than Marvel news. <laughs> you, you're so right. <laughs> wow. Two, two DC stories. A new moment in Hall
2: of Heroes stories. history.
0: Wow. This is, this, <laughs> is a, this is a watershed moment for this podcast. We have more DC. It's not just a Marvel podcast for once. <laughs>
2: Well, that being said, we're going to dive into our, our second and final uh, newsreel for the the MCU. And as as those of you who follow the the production news for um, Marvel, you are aware by now that the Guardians of the Galaxy three movie uh, has had some very serious delays, especially surrounding the circumstances of James Gunn being released from the project. And uh, I'll, um. Guardians of the Galaxy 3 would have already started filming, uh, but associated with uh, Tim Gun- or James Gunn being fired uh, have really set that back. And as of a week ago, we didn't really even know what sort of a story we would have to look forward to. Uh, but Collider released a couple days ago uh, that to, this is a direct quote here, um, if all's going according to plan Guardians of the Galaxy 3 would have been filming, um, but the production on the final film under writer-director James Gunn's trilogy uh, has been 2019, uh, before Chris Pratt would go off to shoot Jurassic World 3, but the entire film was put on hold after a gun was fired. Um, that being said, um, looks like since Chris Pratt is going to be filming Jurassic World 3. We're going to be looking at a a much more significant delay since they couldn't start filming uh, before he would have to go away for that project. However, we do have some good news for you, uh, and that is Kevin Feige has confirmed that they are using James Gunn's script for the movie. Uh, After he was fired, it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, wasn't sure whether or not they would be keeping the script that he wrote. Uh, they, they had considered throwing it out altogether. Uh, Feige did uh, quote this. Regarding the production of the movie, he said, I mean, when it was pushed back, it was pushed back, meaning the release date because it's not coming out. Although we've never announced a release date actually, it was going to happen sooner rather than later uh, in terms of release date initially, of course. Outside of knowing that we're going to use James Gunn's draft, we have been focusing on other projects. So it doesn't look like we're going to be seeing Guardians Three uh, anytime soon. Certainly not this year. Certainly not next year. Um, uh, but uh, that they will be using uh, James Gunn's script. Jared, uh, any opinions on that? What do you What do you think?
0: Um, I was never too terribly thrilled about James Gunn being let go. Um, Even though I had a lot of – you and I both had a lot of mixed opinions about Guardians 2. If there's one thing that is really good about that movie and the first one, of course, is that James Gunn truly understands the voice and the spirit of these characters that he's working with. Um, And it makes me really happy that his name will still be attached to the movie in some way and that his work isn't for naught um this this is like this is one of those like rumors that has been kicked around basically since the day he was fired um and again i'm happy that he still gets to maintain some type of ownership over these characters um if i remember correctly uh dave bautista the gentleman who plays drax the destroyer was threatening to walk away from the project and just be like yeah you can just kill me off an endgame um because I'm not doing anything unless we're using J- something to do with James here. Um, yeah. not to say that they direct, they did that for the sole purpose of retaining Dave Batista. But, oh, but,
2: but that just shows, um, you know, Batista's loyalty, as it were, to James Gunn's vision and uh, and his disagreement with the circumstances of his release uh, regarding some of the old distasteful jokes that he made on Twitter a long time ago that resurfaced uh, toward the beginning of this project. And um, like you said, both you and I are are kind of uh, disappointed with the with the result of of that that whole fiasco and. We are glad now to say that Dave Batista has decided to stick around, thankfully, yes. <laughs> and and that the the James Gunn script has been used. And actually, that might make segue well, yeah,
0: well, before into before we hop into the next one. I just want to say, like, I don't know if you saw this. This is a few months ago. Whenever the whole, whenever everything hit the fan with James Gunn, they that open letter that like the whole cast released. If you remember that, like there was an open letter that was like, I believe it, Chris Pratt wrote it. And then like Zoe Saldana, Dave Bautista, Bradley Cooper, um, Michael Rooker, Karen Gillen, like the whole core Guardians of the Galaxy cast co signed it and were like, we support James Gunn. And we realized that like, you know, they were really gross jokes. Like there was some really dark pedophilia jokes. And You know, and it wasn't in good taste at all. They weren't – they were punching down at best and, you know, it's – he's apologized for them and he's recognized that they were really dumb and that he was really embarrassed by that time of his life and being this like really loud and obnoxious shock jock and the whole ordeal was incredibly disingenuous in my opinion but – you know, th- th- this cast has his back. And like I said, I don't think that, you know, Disney did it because Dave Bautista said, I'm, you know, you can going to leave Drax out of the movie if you don't keep James Gunn or whatever. But I, I do think a lot of this decision, A, there's the creative logistics of it. And like, you know, if they scrap James Gunn's script, A, you're going to piss off the fans. But B, you have to start from square one.
2: That'll you, even further delay this movie awesome. that probably isn't even going to come out until – 2021 or 22
0: 2021, yeah i'd say like summer 2021 probably um it says that um
2: it says in this collider article that jurassic world 3 is scheduled to release in summer of 2021 so if they don't even start filming guardians 3 until after chris pratt is done with with jurassic world 3 then we could be looking at late summer
0: yeah, late summer 2021 or, like, uh, 2022 spring. However, like, by the time that goes into post-production, though, like, I don't know how long the shoots for the other Jurassic World movies were, but by the time it goes into post-production, there'll probably be enough time for Chris Pratt to be like, okay, now it's time to put on my Star-Lord clothes and oh, go yeah, for through sure. this hustle. But, yeah, I just, I I commend the entire cast for the way they stood by James Gunn, stood by G- James Gunn and... We're also very quick to say, you know, we don't like what he did. We think he's a, he's a dipshit for it. But by the same token, this isn't a fireable offense, especially when you, when you look at, you know, past ill behaviors of other people in the MCU. Like, again, I'm not calling for Robert Downey Jr. to get the same treatment, but damn – And I know that like that was kind of his whole revival tour, that kind of climaxed with him becoming Tony Stark. But damn, if you look at pre-Iron Man Robert Downey Jr., you know, starring in a movie in blackface, like there's a lot. And granted, the whole blackface thing was meant to be making fun of the concept. But still, you know, there's a lot there that you can kind of take and run with uh, for Downey. So... Um, like you said, that makes a really solid transition into some of our DC news. Um, because uh you wanna go a little out of order and just jump into the suicide? Squad yeah, that's stuff? what
2: that's what I okay. was thinking, yeah. <laughs> All
0: right, so we'll save that uh, birds of prey thing for a minute. Um, so you wanna take the dead shot story? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I did not sure. see that. I, I was not surprised by the first part, and then the resolution of this story shocked me.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so, um, as we just mentioned, uh, James Gunn had been has been fired from the Guardians Three project, but he was picked up shortly after uh, to write and direct uh, the Suicide Squad, which is the official title for. Um, suicide squad sequel movie and uh as <laughs> as so some stupid. of you may have read up i, hate that so much. <laughs> I know i i was <laughs> really good was like, you gotta be kidding me I, I already referred to it as suicide squad or the suicide squad movie and now there's going to be suicide, squad, suicide, and suicide and squad and the suicide squad I just, I'm, I, come on guys and and i understand um the article from Polygon makes it uh, somewhat—it it hints at the fact that they were almost trying to do a uh, uh, a revival, uh, a redo, perhaps. I know that there was, was a, a lot soft of core
0: reboot, yeah, yeah.
2: There was a lot of mixed reviews about the first Suicide Squad movie and it it, uh, really not fulfilling uh, many people's expectations being a a, a disappointment as a whole. And it looks like they're going for, like you said, a soft core reboot. However, come on, please let's, let's get it a slightly more.
0: What they need to do. And I I think And again, like you're gonna get the oh, they're just they're just ripping off Marvel, which Marvel did it did this whole cinematic universe thing first. So no matter what DC does, because they are coming in after Marvel, it's going to be you're ripping off Marvel. So who cares? I think the coolest thing that Marvel did was they refused to use numbers for sequels, with the exception of Guardians of the Galaxy and Iron Man, which the Guardians of the Galaxy ones make more sense because it's like the whole volume thing. Yeah. Um, so that works. But with the exception of the Iron Man movies that were just one, two, three, the subtitles make I, I, the subtitles make it feel so much more entertaining. Like, it's not Captain America 2. It's not Captain America Two, the Winter Soldier. It's Captain America the Winter Soldier. And you know, it's not Thor three, Ragnarok. it's Thor Ragnarok. I love that naming convention so much. Yeah, and and uh... it would have it would have worked. I'm sorry, it would, would have worked here. I, I think if you can just do like, if it's just you know, and like kind of like the Marvel movies do sometimes, where it's just like the first movie just just the name, and then the second and third movies are where you get the subtitles. That's what they should have done here. Like, I don't. It's you know, like I know they're classic movies, and it's nothing against the movies themselves. The same way I think it's stupid with like the Alien, Aliens, Predator predators
2: yeah absolutely
0: and i just don't like those naming conventions um i i i I, 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 there's just something weird about it that i don't care for um (laughs) so i think the whole the suicide squad (laughs) thing is stupid like i did you're already on an uphill battle with how much of a dumpster fire the first one was a dumpster fire that i love you know like i don't make any qualms about it i love that movie i'm aware of the fact that it's fucking awful I'm aware of the fact that it is a jumbled mess of a cobbled together reshot the re-shot-to-hell-and-back script. I'm aware, and I don't pretend that it's amazing, but I enjoy it. And you're already dealing with an uphill battle that you have to deal with, the, with this named property that did not do well in the first place. So just, call, just making it so that people are just going to refer to it as Suicide Squad 2 now anyway. Instead of actively getting in front of that and coming up with a subtitle, I think is kind of dumb. There's, they still have time to change that and still maybe just call it Suicide Squad 2 or whatever. But I, I don't that idea. But anyway, back to the actual story.
2: I have- yeah, now, with, with that yeah, digression no, no, no. out of the way, I, the real <laughs> news is that Idris Elba has been signed on to replace Will Smith as Deadshot in the Suicide Squad sequel. Ah, uh, we have this report uh, from Polygon as well. Uh, it says here that uh, Will Smith originally played the role uh, in the 2016 feature, uh, but declined to return uh, due to scheduling conflicts. So it doesn't look like there's uh, there's any there's any bad blood, and it it simply was a, a matter of logistics that that Will no, Smith was not first, able to first, return. No,
0: but <laughs> like, yeah. he's not an idiot. No, he, no. He sees yeah. jumping ship. You know, he's like, okay, Affleck's gone. Cavill's probably leaving um you know the amount of people who just can't come back because they're changing up the cast like again if they're going for like a reboot with Batman that probably means Jeremy Irons is out and that probably means Amy Adams and Lawrence Fishburne and all the other people surrounding those characters are out Will Smith isn't an idiot he can read the stars he can see the writing on the wall he's probably jumping ship too <laughs> like it's the nature of the business but
2: yeah and uh and even the yeah, like you said, uh, it seems that despite that, uh, Idris is going to join the ranks of those who will appear in both Marvel and DC movies for this next sequel. Uh, it is unclear uh, Margot Robbie will return uh, for her role as Harley Quinn. Uh, in the Suicide Squad, but she does have uh, another movie coming up uh, Birds of Prey and the uh, Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn that we have to look forward to. Uh, but. Uh, uh, okay. <laughs> According to Polygon, uh, James Gunn said to uh, Warner Brothers – or James Gunn and uh, Warner Brothers said to The Hollywood Reporter that Elba was the first and only choice uh, to replace Will Smith. And I have to agree. I have liked uh, basically every performance I have ever gotten from from Idris Elba. He brings a level of intensity to, to the stage and to the screen that – that we just can't get from some some other actors in the business. And I think that this is, is going to be a, a really good role for him to fill, even though he might be surrounded by some uh, some not-so-successful circumstances. Despite how the movie goes one way or another, he will still turn in a very good performance. Jared?
0: Absolutely. And that's one of the very few things that are like objectively good about Suicide Squad, is that there's not – like. You know, people can debate whether or not they like Jared Leto as the Joker, and I think a lot of people's disdain for Jared Leto's Joker comes from the face tattoos and whatnot. But aside from that, I don't, I don't think anybody in the first Suicide Squad turned in a bad performance by any means. Like, yeah, uh, I can't no. think of anybody who like you you that like is distractingly bad. You know, like, Jai, like you know, Jai Courtney, even Jai Courtney was good. Like, I, I can't think of another movie where I was like, hey, look at Jai Courtney. He's acting like he's he's doing the thing that you paid him to do. Like, granted, he just has to be Australian and an alcoholic. Like Captain <laughs> Boomerang he yeah. isn't that hard of a character to get in the brain of. No. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's still, he turned into a decent performance, everybody. Um, I just, I think there's something incredibly hilarious about the fact that the nothing character that is Deadshot, that is Floyd Lawton, is getting these like really good actors that the character does not fucking deserve. Like in oh, yeah. my <laughs> mind, I'm like, oh yeah. Like, I mean, it's a Suicide Squad story, so it's going to mostly revolve around Deadshot, which most Suicide Squad stories do because he typically takes center stage. But like, why? Why are you like Idris Elba? Is there no one else in the DC universe that we wanted that like could, that Idris Elba should play? That we're going <laughs> to waste him on <laughs> Deadshot? Shot. yeah. Like when I hear Idris Elba in the DC EU, I think Green Lantern. I wanted Idris Elba to play John Stewart, Green Lantern, really badly, and it frustrates me that they're wasting Idris Elba on fucking Deadshot. Like, it frustrated me that they, like, it was like, then they said, oh, it's going to be Will Smith. I'm like, okay, this is just going to be funny. You know, and like I said, like, part of me really wished he did, like, the Men in Black, Wild Wild West style. Like, I'm going to write a rap song to play during the credits. Like, really badly. <laughs> like, unironically, would have enjoyed the hell out of that. Um, would have
2: made us nod our heads, you know?
0: Yeah. There's a black suit coming. <laughs> I, see. I see what you did there. Um you made it painfully obvious at the end, but at first that was really subtle.
2: Uh, <laughs> oh, you know me.
0: I, I, but I, exactly. Like, whatever was Will Smith, it's like, okay, this is this is going to be funny. Because Will Smith either does, like, a really, really intense, serious performance, or he's playing Will Smith. And there's not a whole lot of middle ground there. It's like, okay, like in Men in Black, he's Will Smith, space police. <laughs> And, you know, in Wild Wild,
2: West, Wild West. Will Smith, the cowboy gunslinger.
0: Yeah, like it, it, that, that, his lighter roles, but that's part of his charisma.
2: Yeah, but and it's it's, it's the, the like role that I think he likes and, to play the yeah. best because it's the one that suits him. You
0: know. Yeah, and that's because he he is a phenomenal actor. Like you look at his performance in Ali and in Seven Pounds and in uh, Six Degrees of Separation. Like he's he's able to do these dramatic performances where he's actually playing a character. But when it's just a popcorn blockbuster, it's Will Smith in a new in a new costume, and charismatic Will Smith as cold blooded. Uh, I, I love the 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 line in the first Suicide Squad that Rick Flagg said, where he's just like, "You're a serial killer who takes credit cards." Like it's a really good way of describing Deadshot. I don't see that guy, and then like I have a hard time seeing that guy, but also seeing like Agent J, you know, like him doing the whole like you know like threatening people and like you know shooting at people and whatnot, but also seeing like old and busted, new hotness. Like, I there's a cognitive dissonance there between those two characters and the fact that he plays them pretty much the same way that. I was never thrilled with Will Smith in that role. Like I was happy to see Will Smith and I just – I don't – they're wasting Idris Elba.
2: Oh, yeah. This is (laughs)
0: a criminal waste of this man. Like I don't understand why you're casting him as Deadshot. He should be Green Lantern.
2: My original thought was, man, this is going to be a a really cool performance whether the, the movie tanks or not. We're still going to get a, a good show from from Idris, but it had not even occurred to me um, where else in in the the DC could have used an actor of that caliber, you know. So that's that's interesting food for thought
0: for a character who deserves it. Oh, Deadshot really? has like you can you can describe Deadshot in like.
2: Sentences, Three
0: words, four <laughs> – three phrases, four words in particular if you just go guns, assassin, suicide squad. That is his character. And then you have different versions and different runs that delve into him being a father and the stuff that they deal with in Suicide Squad, which is cool and it's great. You know, I love when they take nothing characters and make me care about them.
2: However, yeah, there was, are characters that are already characters that, <laughs> that we des- care about coming into the movie t- deserve that deserves somebody like, like Idris Elba.
0: Yeah, especially Green yeah. Lantern. Like they've been afraid to touch Green Lantern since the dumpster fire that was the Ryan Reynolds movie. Then I don't know how better you earn back good faith from audiences and moviegoers and to go, OK, this movie fell on its face hard – we're going to clean up this boo boo. and We're going to make this right once and for all by casting the prestige actor in this role. So, I, you know, Idris Elba's going to do a great job because it's Idris Elba, but I think this is a profound waste of his talents um, in a movie we don't need. We don't need a Suicide Squad sequel, you know, unless there's a legitimate story to be told there. But, you know, David Ayer, whose vision these movies were originally, is out. And it's gonna be James Gunn's, so it's the, the movie's probably gonna as long as Warner Brothers keeps their like little dirty friggin' meat hooks out of the movie, which they're like Warner Brothers over involving themselves is why we've ended up with a lot of DCEU bombs. You know, it'll be good. Because it's James Gunn and it's gonna be friggin' Idris Ilba, and he'll be acting his ass off next to Margot Robbie, who's great as Harley you know, she's a great actress as well. Great as Harley. Like it'll be good. It's just unnecessary. And they're putting more, not that I want to, I don't want them to put as much into a movie as they can, but it's, it's bad resource management. It, it's a waste of certain actors, in my opinion. Um, real quick, speaking of Idris Elba, before we jump into this, uh, the possible roster for <laughs> suicide squad 2. um, did you, you saw? Obviously, you saw Captain Marvel because we did the review. Did your did you, did yours have the trailer for Hobbs and Shaw attached to? It?
2: No, it didn't.
0: Oh my god! Have you seen the trailer for Hobbs and Shaw? I have not. <laughs> okay, so this is the first movie. Okay, so because the Fest and the Furious movies have gone from. Overly serious to knowing exactly what they are and getting more and more over the top as they go. I've never seen a fast movie the whole way through in my life, um, but I've seen what I need to see and know that it's become far more self aware and like really like it just has fun with itself basically. But so that you have like the normal fast and the furious movies, they're doing a spin off movie called Hobbs and Shaw which is going to star The Rock's character and Jason Statham's character. And the threat that they have to team up to stop is Idris Elba, but he has superpowers. Like they legit just went, okay, (laughs) superpowers are a thing in Fast and Furious (laughs) now.
2: Holy mackerel.
0: he's He's like Winter Soldier. But like he's like – minus the metal arm. Like he's walking around in like this like badass black leather jumpsuit and like he like punches the rock hard enough that he like goes flying into a truck. Like it is absurd. Like it is the most – it is the dumbest, most popcorn shoveling looking movie I've ever seen a trailer for and I cannot wait to see it. because Like I have not seen a single Fast and the Furious movie the whole way through. I will see Hobbs and Shaw because that kind of over the top nonsense is what I fucking live for. You need to watch the trailer <laughs> once we're done here. It is uh,
2: absurd. I you have my word. It's the first thing I do when we're done. But <laughs> but again, digression aside, yeah, yeah. we have this we have an unremembered episode
0: of All of Heroes so far where it's just <laughs> hands and left and right.
2: Uh, well, well, I've been told by the producer that I need to keep you in check when it comes to digressions. So, <laughs> so moving right along, uh, speaking of the, the Suicide Squad movie, we have a short list of rumored uh, but unconfirmed uh, characters that will be brought into the Suicide Squad, including something that I am very happy to see, which is... Yet again, um, some more C and D lister Batman villains that might be coming to the screen. (laughs) According to Collider, uh, the four probable, probable, but the four rumored uh, Suicide Squad uh, members that might be brought into this movie are Rat Catcher. Uh, How do you even say that? The Shark King, also called Nanawe. Well, oh, king shark, king shark, uh, uh, polka dot man—that's what I'm talking about. That's what I like to see. Give me kite man. Give me the ventriloquist. Give me polka dot man. I'm gonna read. I'm gonna read for you guys, word for word. What yeah, Collider has give, written about Polkadot.
0: Yeah, you got to give the character breakdowns for all of them. Okay, okay. these are all these are all fantasy. Okay. Like, with the exception of King right. Shark, he's a legitimate villain. Like King Shark is a threat. Like King Shark, okay. he's like one of Aquaman's. Like King Shark is to Aquaman, what like Riddler or Mister Freeze is to Batman. Like he's not his main villain but he's one of the But he's good pretty ones.
2: legitimate.
0: All right, all right. I'll give yeah. you guys
2: the the complete character breakdown here starting with Ratcatcher. <laughs> Ratcatcher aka otis flanagan is a man in the dc comics though collider has learned that the character will be gender swapped and played by a woman in the suicide squad that ought to be interesting to see
0: but anyway yeah. rat catcher hey, hey, hey just just you watch like the alt-right neckbeard guys be like oh forced diversity they're changing the rat and like pretend that they give a damn about the rat yeah okay yeah well yeah, like i've never common. even heard of this that's guy what, that's coming
2: what should i care? Just, oh, anyway, just keep keep, keep your eyes open for that but anyway rat catcher is a super criminal and one of batman's many enemies like very very many enemies Too she many. started out as an exterminator in gotham city before turning to a life of crime aided by an army of small rodents she can communicate with and control <laughs> but <laughs> a fan of poisonous gas
0: oh my god this okay this is so comic book. <laughs> i you love it tell James Gunn is
2: writing it's so corny but i absolutely love it i love new material as you guys know but next a or whatever aka king shark is a supervillain and humanoid shark whose father is believed to be the so-called shark god though others dismiss him as merely a savage mutation
0: He's legit. Like he's an actual villain. Like he actually, he's a great Aquaman villain. Okay, King Shark. He there was, <laughs> King Shark was supposed to be in the first one. actually.
2: Now, my personal favorite of the four, Polkadot <laughs> Man, aka Mister Polkadot, is a Gotham City <laughs> supervillain and light rat catcher, a sworn enemy of Batman. He grows multicolored polka dots on his body that he can turn into fireballs and other weapons for the most part he's embarrassed about his awkward abilities
0: so would i be polka dot man before we move on to the next one which name do you hope they use in the movie between polka dot
2: man and mr polka
0: dot because they're both really dumb <laughs>
2: they are I, honestly i think Polk, mr., mr polka dot is is just a little bit too much i'm hoping they use <laughs> polka dot man because at least at least you can salvage like somebody who and resembles a badass maybe isn't actually but resembles one but mr polka dot, i i picture i picture a clown at the at the local fair if you say Mister Polka Dot,
0: oh my God, I love this so much! But right. fourth and G-list, finally, z-list Batman villains. I know, I love it. It's,
2: it's, oh, you you're scraping the bottom if you're coming up with Polka Dot Man, but nevertheless, I love it. It's it's my guilty pleasure to see completely stupid villains on the screen finally is peacemaker aka christopher smith who is an agent of peace whose motives are driven by an extremist form of pacifism that makes him love peace so much he would kill for it now i don't know about the rest of you people but i guess aren't we all peacemaker you know we want peace and so we go to war that doesn't seem like a very foreign concept to
0: me jared no, that's a. It, it, you know, again, he's a valid character, and that—that's.
2: Sure. And, and 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 somebody, but it it doesn't seem like there's very much depth to 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 his con to his concept. Now, granted, with the exception of King Shark, none of these four really have. Character besides just I have an evil motive and I'm going to do something
0: about it. You know, let's, let's use the term but, "evil" lightly because most of these are like I, I have, age I have. characters. <laughs> so like, there's that I, there's I like have golden age characters rather. So there's that like really ridiculous like you know like Lex Luthor stole forty cakes once kind of thing like that. Uh,
2: forty kinda. cakes. All right, (laughs) but tying this back into one of our earlier stories, uh, it is rumored that James Gunn fought for Dave Bautista in, uh, the Suicide Squad as the peacemaker. Now, whether or not this is, you know, uh, a, a reward for, for his loyalty regarding James Gunn being fired, I personally would doubt it, um, It has to do with uh, the two of them really getting along uh, director to actor and actor back up to director. And so I would guess that it's more along the lines of the two of them just really like working together.
0: Yeah, like Sam Jackson and Tarantino or whatever.
2: Together and what we've seen on the screen with the two of them has been pretty pleasing for the most part. Jared, do you have any other comments uh, regarding...
0: Oh, well, first of all, if Dave, is, if Dave Batiste is going to be in the Suicide Squad, I'd rather him play King Shark. Um, that's just me. However, this is the Suicide Squad has always been meant to have bullshit villains on the team, and. You will have one, maybe two villains that actually matter on the Suicide Squad, and then the rest of them are nobodies. Like this, typically, that one person who's worth giving a damn about is Deadshot. Other than that, you have these ridiculous villains, right? And that, There's and also of gripes going in the Suicide Squad. I'm sorry, is it like they did oh, no, the no. whole like, every almost every villain on that team? was like a notable rogue. Like typically, like I said, it's normally one or two in the old days. It was Deadshot and Captain Boomerang and they were the main, like they were the only ones who actually were like, Oh, Hey, you've given Batman actual trouble before you've given the flash actual trouble before outside of that. Everyone is a nobody. This roster is my kind of Suicide Squad lineup? <laughs> like, <laughs>
2: hey,
0: I love me some
2: D-listers, man. I'm so excited, but but I'm I'm curious to give me see.
0: Kite man or give me death? Give me kite man or give now, me
2: death? Yeah. Now, as 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 we talked about a couple episodes ago, they've actually made Kite Man look somewhat badass in some of the recent some of the recent illustrations. But I dare them to somehow make dot. Uh, a badass villain.
0: <laughs> you never know. You I, never
2: know. I mean, I, I understand that, that somewhere out there there's a creative mind that can make anything happen, but I just am I'm looking at the article right now at the the silver age DC comic illustration of and I just of him i i feel i feel like maybe i should give him a lollipop but but, um, disrespect yeah i i i I love you know d-listers but i'm not particularly scared of them i just enjoy seeing them on the screen anyway we should move right along here
0: real quick i know we were saying that's like a rumored story I do want to say, though, um, if you go take a look at the byline for this article, um, this is written by uh, Jeff Snyder, who uh, – he's very rarely wrong. Jeff Snyder is very much the individual who knows people and knows when to report on something. Um, His nickname is The Snyder, So let let that stand for whatever you – Uh, He's also one of my favorite Schmodown competitors. Um, Oh,
2: yes. Well, there you have it folks from very reliable sources.
0: Yeah. So for what it's worth, um, that story, uh, take it with a couple grains of salt because, or take it with less grains of salt than you normally would, because there's actually some legitimacy to it. Probably. Um, all right. We were kind of hopping and moving. around here because we wanted to tie the James Gunn stuff together. Um, what do you want to talk hey, about, Aquaman or uh, Birds of Prey? Um, I
2: don't know. Let's let's do Aquaman. Why not?
0: All right. Well, there's not much to this story. Um, it's it's uh, very straightforward. Um, Aquaman two has a release date. Uh, it's going to be coming out December sixteenth, twenty twenty two. Um, They're sticking with that December release date, which they did with the first one, which I don't blame them for. Um, It did really well. Uh, The only issue they might run into is like we don't know for certain if there's going to be a Star Wars movie coming out. And, you know, Bob Iger made a very big point of saying that like Star Wars is going to stick to that December release date. So by the time... 2022 rolls around, they might be competing with like the Benioff and Weiss Star Wars movies, which, you know, I don't know if Aquaman is going to perform that well against Star Wars.
2: You know, like. Oh, oh, I doubt it. I mean, the first Aquaman brought people to the theater, I think, based on curiosity and just looking forward to being just completely visually stunned. But if it's between Aquaman 2 and installment or or, um do you know wait wait, which star wars movie is coming out in december that year
0: i'm saying we don't know yet because oh okay okay because episode nine comes out this year yeah yeah, so that's off the table bob Iger said that he's that like they're slowing down on the movies for a couple years so 2020 so 2020 2021 there probably won't be a movie 2022 that might be the first benioff and weiss movie I
2: gotcha. And then, do we know when we're gonna? Another side note: Do we know when to expect the the Ryan Johnson stuff to start coming back again? No,
0: no. Like I said, after Solo underperformed, and they want to really play around with Disney Plus. You know, a lot of that stuff is like I don't. It's not. It's not on hold in the sense of like they're canning it, but it's just it's like just, it's just tabled waiting. for now. Yeah, because they want to play around okay. with Disney Plus and play around in that sandbox. And I think
2: that's um, wise. They've got they've got a brilliant platform working. Even though I'm not a huge fan of. You know, having to subscribe to something else. I am a, a Star Wars, the Clone Wars addict. So, uh,
0: anyway, yeah. So yeah, that's not going to stop us. We're, you know, we we need our fix.
2: Oh, you know, you know, as soon as that season is dropping, I am dropping the necessary funds for a monthly subscription, and I'm going to pound that thing out about four yeah. times through.
0: Absolutely, oh, I can't wait. Um, but yeah, so. Ooh. Like I said, I also I also kind of nervous that that's a little too long of a wait, you know, like you're not having the. With Aquaman, you don't have the kind of safety net that the Marvel movies have where they can have really long time between direct sequels because you'll get to see that character in other people's movies. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's a good point. It's been a while. Like. You know, look at the turnaround time for, like, the cat movies and the um, Iron Man movies. You know, Ant-Man, we're overdue for a Doctor Strange sequel. Oh, absolutely. But we didn't really flinch on that because we saw Strange and Ragnarok and Infinity War. So, like, we've been getting our fill of Doctor Strange, whereas you know, there's no Justice League movie and develop, Justice League sequel in development. So I don't... I think that this may be a little after the iron has cooled for them to strike with Aquaman 2. So I think that that... I think they're they're playing with... <laughs> no pun intended here. I think they're playing with fire. Um, uh, oh, that was bad. I know. It wasn't, that's, <laughs> it wasn't intentional. Um, but, you know, so... I think it's a little dicey waiting this long, but we'll see how it goes. Like I said, between them waiting a little too long and then they maybe have to compete with Star Wars, this could be a disaster for Warner Brothers. Um, Another, unfortunately. (laughs) One of many. (laughs) Uh, So we also have – you want to take the lead with this
2: uh, leak from Birds of Prey? Yeah. Okay. So we have a, a, a leak from the new Harley Quinn movie, Birds of Prey, with the uh, insanely long subtitle about uh, emancipation, whatever. And I'm not really sure what I'm looking at in this picture, but it kind of looks like a, <laughs> a uh, Mad <laughs> Max really okay. Fury Road-esque okay. uh, o- old, like, 70s hot rod <laughs> in the car with a mask holding a gun with a red bandana in the passenger seat of this car jared what in the world is going on here
0: so the from, by, by the look of it it's not exactly an official look but it's a look at um ewan mcgregor's black mask uh you know like i said it is absolute potato quality um we uh, we haven't seen much in the way of official stuff for uh, Birds of Prey or the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. <laughs> um, so you know, any time that we're starved for news, this is when leaks go wild. Um, you know, it's a crappy picture, but it's a little bit of a peek at Ewan McGregor's Black Mask, which. I hate to say it is the only real reason why I'm really that excited for Birds of Prey. Like,
2: I always get excited for you and McGregor performance.
0: I, I, the Ewan McGregor
2: performance. I hope that that we're going to get, but (laughs) if you, if you know what I'm
0: saying, (coughs) yeah, it's just, again, and I don't, I don't know who Ewan McGregor should play in the DCEU, but why Why waste him on Black Mask? Like, why not get somebody who's, like, known for playing criminals? Like, I saw this one fan casting. I wanted Jason Statham to play Black Mask. And I think that, like, really intense, loud, in-your-face persona is something that Statham would have been great for. And then you can save actors like Ewan McGregor for more important roles. And again, like, they, you know, do what you will. Do what you're going to do. I can't, you know, I'm, I'm going to see it. I love Ewan McGregor. But, you know, it's the same reason, same thing as like Idris Elba is Deadshot. Like you could use him somewhere else. Somewhere. From
2: curiosity, there. where would you put Ewan McGregor in your ideal DCEU fan cast?
0: Uh, let me think about that. I think he would make a decent Jimmy Olsen. If you want to have Jimmy Olsen actually be like an interesting character, like he should be, um, I don't think he would make a. I don't think he'd make a bad Hal Jordan. Um, you could definitely have him play. Uh, uh, I'm like trying to think of like members of the Bat family, maybe, but no one's really coming to mind on that front. You know, I don't know off the top of my head. Hell, maybe even Green Arrow. But I also would rather see the one guy who played Robin Hood a couple Robin Hood movies ago play Arrow. But, you know. Kevin Costner? I, no, not Kevin Costner. I can't remember. <laughs> looks like, the dude looks like. Dude, Russell Crowe? Yeah, no, shut up. The, <laughs> Sorry. The before Taron Egerton's movie. But. Oh, oh uh, 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 I can't I come up with it. He literally looks like the way Oliver Queen is drawn. Like, he has, like, the long, like, you know, goofy, blonde beard Beard and mustache. Like, he he looks like Oliver Queen already. Like, just slap a green costume on him already. So, Uh, like I said, I don't necessarily have, like, an idea in my mind for who he should play necessarily. But do better than Black Mask. Like, I'm cool. Like, cool, Black Mask. And Black Mask is going to be great because it's Ewan McGregor, but whatever. Um, I also do not like the fact, and I saw this on Twitter the other day and it didn't occur to me until I read it and I read it and I was like, wow, this is actually really fucked up that Harley Quinn, you know, the woman who is, who was at least madly in love with the man who, uh, probably sexually assaulted Barbara Gordon and paralyzed her, now gets to lead the team that Barbara Gordon founded originally.
2: Uh,
0: that is a disturbing I thought. It, I was like, I don't like that. I don't like that at all. Like, I'm legitimately frustrated with this concept. So, um, yeah, that's my... That, that, that's my take on that. Um, you want to take the lead with these uh, Shazam first reactions?
2: OK, so the the press has been given the opportunity to see some early screenings of Shazam uh, and they are. Largely very very positive. Uh, here's a tweet from Eric Eisenberg: DC is finally building a solid run. Shazam is a delight. Its familiar origin structure is forgivable because of all the new things it brings to the table. Primarily, it's gleeful, childlike enthusiasm and heartfelt perspective on family. It's also a role Zachary Levi was born to play. Now, a couple things here that I won't read. I won't read too many of them. Um, but two things that a lot of people have been saying about this movie is how... How, uh, how lovable this perspective on family is and, and that Zachary Levi absolutely killed it. Um, here is a tweet from uh, Jim Vizboda. Um Here we've got, Shazam is DC's most joyful and sweet movie since the era of Christopher Reeve's Superman, a funny yet earnest coming-of-age story about a boy who learns that, well, with great power comes great responsibility. It doesn't reinvent the superhero movie wheel, but it's undeniably fun. Eric Davis says, Shazam is big, goofy, lovable, and unlike anything DC has done before. Definitely in the vein of Tom Hanks is big, but with which superhero action. Which the
0: hell out of me. Sorry. I know. That is They've such a great movie. Superheroes. Superheroes. Yes. Yes, 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 <laughs> yes, yes, yes,
2: yes. Absolutely yes. brilliant. And for those of you who have seen the trailer, which we'll talk about here shortly, you know exactly what we mean definitely in the vein of Tom Hanks is big, but with superhero action and lots of Batman and Superman references. I dug this film so much. I wanted to give it a bear hug at the end. DC's movies keep getting better and better. That was from Eric Davis. Positive. And like I said, a lot of them have really touched upon this, this idea that Zachary Levi was born to play this role and that the, the film really hits home with the, with the idea um. Of family ties, Jared.
0: Well, see now that I'm seeing uh, the the flying reviews for uh, Zachary Levi, I can say that I'm happy that my idea that John Cena should play Shazam could be uh, put to rest at last. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh man, I, I don't know where you come up with these
0: no, okay, crazy. This, this was my thing because they cast Black Adam. With The Rock. And I was like, okay, he says, like, Black Adam and Shazam are rivals. You really lean into it, really get goofy with it. Let The Rock's, like, most recent wrestling rival. I thought that was Say cool.
2: my words and you will gain my power. John <laughs> Cena! <Cino! laughs> I'm surprised no one's done that with the trailers yet. (laughs) (laughs) You may be the first, my friend. You may be the first. Oh, I would love that.
0: Say my name and my powers become your sh. John Cena! That's great.
2: And having watched the trailer uh, that has been out for a couple days now, about a week and a few days for Shazam, the second trailer that came out, I am honestly also very excited. This is the the first this the first superhero movie since uh, Endgame that I have really been been intrigued by. You know, with Captain Marvel, it seemed like uh, we were getting a a still familiar take on the superhero story uh but with shazam it seems like we're gonna get something completely new and i'm really looking forward to that
0: absolutely um like you know like like you said there in those reviews like the idea that this is big but with superheroes (laughs) I've been seeing people like making that comparison. They're like, oh, it seems like it could be big, but with superheroes. But to actually hear that it is big, Big, but with superheroes. Yeah, that's very. And I just,
2: uh, the the trailers, I love the scene. (laughs) And this, this will hopefully, if you haven't seen the trailer, hopefully this will give you a glimpse of what we're looking at here. But it's a scene with
0: trailer talk now just just dive right into Shazam um, but okay. uh,
2: the the scene from the trailer I absolutely love is Zachary Taylor standing at the counter of a convenience store saying something like show me to your finest beers please with this this yeah. <laughs> uh, winning superhero smile and the lady sarcastically points to the corner and then the next thing you see is is him and 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 his his friend who's still 12 you know, taking a <laughs> sip of beer and spitting it out. Oh my gosh, it's gross! And then they go back in and get a say cola. Like, this tastes
0: like literal vomit. Like,
2: <laughs> <laughs> I—that's the kind of—that's the kind of fun stuff we get to look forward to. Jared, what are your thoughts on the trailer? What do you think we should expect?
0: So, I really enjoyed the trailer. Um, I love, I love trailers that take it upon themselves. To tell its own story inside of the trailer, and um, you know, I think this is going to be our first time to like get into like a deep hip hop conversation while talking about superheroes on the air. Um, the first trailer had that really good um, that. Like I love the, the – I love when they take a normal song and do like the trailer version of the song that becomes like incredibly cinematic and it has all uh, like <laughs> boom, 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 yeah. boom, action beats with it. And like they did that with Kendrick Lamar's DNA in the, in the first trailer. They had that, I got, I got, I got, I got when he's like doing on like he's like testing out the superpowers and stuff. Um, and then they have like those like thumping action superhero movie beats with each – like with like the – it's like the boom 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 yeah. boom in the with the uh, Kendrick's flow in that song which is really cool and i like when they do that kind of thing. And they took that idea and they expanded on it in this trailer and they did it um with Eminem's my name is. And I thought it was really cool and i was watching a trailer breakdown it was i think it was channel awesome and i was i I, ha- I, I was thinking about it and i was like ooh cuz like you know how uh, the real Sim Shady is kind of like the musical sequel to My Name Is how like funny it would be is if like whenever Shazam 2 rolls around if the trailer was hi it was you know will the real Sim Shady please stand up and going for, transition from the hi my name is yeah that, was, that would be a fun little tie in but he pointed out yeah. like the whole idea that like when you had My Name Is that gave birth to the Slim Shady persona ah and the idea that like the, the real slim shady where it's like okay the, it created and showed everybody who the character of slim Shady was and then you go to the you and then one album later when you have the real slim shady that whole song is about here are all these people who are pretending to who who are who are pretenders to this slim shady identity when there's only one there's only one real slim shady and that's Eminem and the way that like Dr. Savannah is kind of like, the the idea of like the fake Slim Shady and who has the right to that name. And the same way that like who has the right to the Shazam name that gets passed down. How like Dr. Savannah is the fake Slim Shady, as it were, and how it kind of ties into the music. And that like Savannah sees He 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 is not worthy of the Shazam powers. He has them, but he is not the true Shazam. Billy Badson is, right. But how he sees Billy as the pretender, and there's that like, and how like each time, like a lot of times, like it's when Billy uses his powers, you see the my name is like it happens like on those beats in the trailer where he'll. Like, shoot the lightning, use the super speed, start flying. And it, like, goes into that, hi, my name is who? My name is... And it'll start doing that. And, like, that musical motif of, like, that connection to the name of Shazam slash Slim Shady as it is in the music, but how those two are kind of stand-ins for each other. I thought that was a really interesting take. And it's done deliberately. You know, like, you know, these trailers go are edited edited and edited and edited and vetted and all that stuff to make sure that they are ironclad. Um, There's also the, you know, if you pay attention to it, you know, you can kind of see the way certain scenes line up and where in the movie they happen. Um, Whenever Dr. Savannah shows up and he's like electrocuting those police officers, um, if you pay attention, right behind him is the bus and it's already screwed up from the fall. So you can see that, like, the scene where Billy's, like, you know, goofing around and, like, shooting the lightning off. And when it brings down that giant bus and he catches it and saves it and then the friend lectures him for it. Yeah. That that happens immediately before Dr. Savannah shows up and all hell breaks loose in that fight. Um, uh. You know, so like I said, it's like you know when you pay it, you got to when you pay attention to that kind of thing, you can see how the movies kind of stitch together. Um, right. And with the whole back to the music thing, um, and it also sets up the way that like Black Adam, like a lot of Shazam villains are kind of built around the whole who is worthy of that power, and like that's probably going to be the arc with Black Adam eventually. Whenever we get to see the Rock go head to head with uh, Zachary Levi, and it's going to be that you know it's good. he like who's the real slim shady in that situation um the real Shazam shady uh the real <laughs> the real slim Shazam the real slim Shazam Tj that's the name of the episode the real slim Shazam um well, that needs to be a shirt on tv public tim i hope you're listening um stand up <laughs> please stand up well, the real slim Shazam please stand up um, but yeah, no, the, the, the trailer was really fun. Like I said, I love that vibe. Um, I love the scene in the store where he's like, um, you know, I'm Batman, get him, Batman like that. <laughs> I laughed my ass off at that. And the fact that like Kevin Conroy, that was Kevin Conroy's voice on that Batman toy made me really happy that I give him a little yeah. more lip service because, <laughs> you know, that iconic booming Batman voice does not get enough credit. Um, So, yeah, I just I love the fact that this universe, you know, despite Superman's characterization not being stellar in Man of Steel and Batman v Superman, I'm really happy that like this universe looks at Superman like a hero and like a savior the way he's supposed to be. Um like I said like that the last half of Justice League with Superman is the best live action Superman content I've seen in my life like that goofy you know and it's supposed to be goofy it's supposed to be corny because that's who he is and that you know well I am a big fan of truth I like I do like truth and I'm a big fan of justice like <laughs> oh my god and Henry Cavill pulled it off and I think there were so many people like oh Henry like, like no one can pull off like the goofy christopher reeve style like kind of superman but they do and he does ah. and he doesn't know <laughs> and like this was like an urban legend and i don't know if i've told you this before that like anytime they go to cat any because warner brothers has all of the rights to dc um anytime they prepare to cast somebody as superman the final test is to have them put on christopher reeve's old costume Oh. and if they can pull it off and if they can pull it off they have the job that's a clever way I like that and that was an urban legend for a while and then a picture leaked out from Henry Cavill's casting call and like it was him in Christopher Reeve's costume with that bright blue that with like the chest the, like the neckline that comes all the way down to his chest the, you know, the the trunks, everything like it was I'll pull up the picture and send it to you. But like, I love that. And I love that. Like we see that that type of Superman heavily influencing Billy Badson's behavior. And that makes me really happy that that's how they're doing it, is that this kid clearly looks up to the legendary superheroes of his time. He and again, like it. I lo- and one of the things I love about all these comic book movies is that they take a look at the idea of what if superheroes existed in our world, right? Right, and how people deal with that. You know, you have them in the Marvel movies. You know, you have the way that like the Avengers become celebrities, and then you have the way the gov- the, the world's governments are like we the, the, they they can't just be running amok. You have things like the Sokovia Accords, and you have you know the way that children idolize them. And the way that, like, you know, his one friend has – he's wearing an Aquaman t-shirt and he has the newspaper clipping about Superman returning and he has, like, the Batarang on his dresser. I love that influence. Let me find this picture. Cavill Christopher Reeve suit. I'll find that uh, in a minute here. But anyway, um, yeah, but I'm super excited for it. This is all really, really cool stuff. Um, oh, I can't find it in color, but this is the black and white one I'm going to send to you. Like, Even though it's black and white, you can clearly tell what costume it is. Because like I said, it lays on him the way that it's supposed to. Um, but yeah, that that's the part that makes me really excited is because... Where, and like, this is where, like, people talk about, like, the difference between Marvel and DC characters. Um, Marvel heroes are supposed to be the best versions of what a flawed normal person could be. Whereas DC heroes are supposed to be what we should aspire to. You know what I mean? Like Superman distinction, like, you know, my, my favorite, you know, if favorite way to look at it is like if you take, you know, in terms of not too terribly powerful, but have a, like a similar beat and occupation within the universe, like look at Spider-Man and Batman. Spider-Man questions whether or not he wants to be a hero from time to time. Spider-Man has moments where his resolve is tested in a very profound way. And he questions himself frequently. And he stands for truth and justice and protecting people who need it. And he does it in this way that, like, lets him keep his own sanity. Where you look at Batman, when Batman's resolve is questioned, he doesn't blink at that question. It is – he is he is a force of nature in a way that Peter Parker can't be because Bruce Wayne – not that he's an inhuman character and you're supposed to be able to relate to all of these characters. But like your Batmans and your Supermans and your Wonder Womans, there's something about them that is unattainable and that's the point with those characters. And it's seeing Billy wanting to live up to that standard that makes me really happy and like – shows me that Warner Brothers understands these characters now. Yeah, that's really encouraging. To these characters. Um, So, moving forward onto a trailer I don't want to talk about. (laughs) It's uh, Necessary Evil, I'm afraid,
2: on a comic book podcast to talk about the trailer for Dark Phoenix... That was released a week or two ago. I that Jared to talk about. Okay, so what are we seeing in this trailer? We're seeing a lot We're of familiar seeing stuff. The
0: same shit.
2: If <laughs> you if same... you are familiar at all with the 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 X Men the three X Men movies that came out in in the the early two thousands two thousand tens, what <laughs> what we are seeing here is something very familiar.
0: Go back and listen to me. It was the day. It was the day the trailer came out, but we recorded before it came out, and I ran through every beat of this tra- of what I thought this trailer was going to be, and that's Wendy's exactly oldies. what it was. That is exactly what it was because these movies are so painfully predictable and bland, and they're not even trying. Did you see the makeup on Mystique? I can I be yeah, uh, the lighting, but I felt like I could almost see Jennifer Lawrence's actual skin tone peeking through the blue.
2: It's it's I saw a meme or, or some some sort of an internet picture that's the like the the, the progression of Mystique's uh, film appearances and the progression of Hulk's film appearances in the MCU, and how both of them just kind of seem to be at a time getting less and less intense getting more and more um you know human-like to the point where at the very end the last picture was just a picture of jennifer lawrence side by side with with mark ruffalo well, here's being, the, thing, the whole point they started almost out so
0: intense sense. the whole point almost makes sense though Because as the movies have gone on, and like this is like a little bit of a prediction for Endgame, I think they're gonna do the whole Professor Hulk thing where Hulk and Banner finally fuse in the one person. And I think that's why, like, in that leaked image for Endgame, like Hulk looks pretty much like Mark Ruffalo, like he has a haircut like Mark Ruffalo and everything. I think that's why. Like I think, that like, I think, he's like he's. They're slowly becoming more and more the one being. Um, Mystique, it's just lazy. And like Jennifer Lawrence has just, publicly made it a point of saying, "I hate that makeup." And I, and I think I wouldn't tell. be surprised
2: if her appearance in this film was contingent upon them making a makeup change, and that she said, "You know, okay, I'm only gonna gonna be in this movie if I don't have to wear that ridiculous makeup." For, for the for the movie. And you know the, the the makeup choices aside, as you said, this this trailer seemed really predictable if you've seen Last Stand and it seems like it's going to disappoint almost as much as Last Stand did, except we get to see a fresh set of faces. You know, I in the ability of the actors because again, we've got a a, a star lineup Faces that we can trust for their performances. But again, this is going to be a question of, of how predictable, how lazy is the writing going to be for this movie?
0: Absolutely. And th- that's what happens with all of these X-Men movies lately is, well, at least you have a stellar friggin' cast. Yeah. Like at least, at least they, at least they make this awful script sound passable. You know, it. um, it's just so underwhelming and you know they telegraph Mystique dying so painfully and you know and maybe that's the point like maybe like you know to a point I'm not super frustrated with them showing us Mystique dying probably because I feel like most of the movie's tone is hinged on that so I have a hard time faulting them for that if they're very upfront with Gene is going to murder Mystique, and that is going to be the driving force of the movie. And being upfront with that, that's fine. Okay, whatever. But I have a hard time trusting a comic book movie to keep a character dead.
2: Oh, absolutely. Um, in Civil War, the the trailers made it seem almost definitely like they had killed off uh, War Machine. But we know that isn't true now. Yeah. So anything's possible with a comic book movie, even the people that you thought were already dead. Who knows? Exactly.
0: And then that's my thing. Is that like I think they've kind of painted themselves into a corner with showing Mystique, quote unquote, dying in the trailer. Because so let's say they do it and Mystique stays dead. We as the fans go oh, man, Mystique's dead. They, should have, they shouldn't They should have put that in the trailer because then we wouldn't have been, like, preparing for it the whole time. Even if it is super into the, early into the movie, we go, okay, well, we knew this was going to happen. But if they, quote-unquote, kill Mystique and she comes back, then we have the, you know, the Cinema Sins. Well, anyone who's ever seen a movie before knows... Yeah.
2: There's not actually dead.
0: And, you know, again, I don't have that much faith in the script writing department at Fox with these X-Men movies anymore. So, Rightfully so. You know, I I don't – they put themselves in a position here where they could have taken an actual risk with Mystique and, like, the audience be like, you know what? You killed a mainstay of this franchise and even though this is your last movie with these characters – That was still a bold move. I applaud you. Right. But now that we know it's coming, if she stays dead, it's almost like a marketing ploy at that point. And you've lost that edge that you've given that scene. So, you know, that's my...
2: With a plot that we've seen before that's so predictable... If you show us that Mystique is dead in the trailer and then have her stay dead, then you have destroyed, you know, the only hint of mystery left surrounding this movie. You know, exactly. we can if, if it's anything like what we think it's gonna be like, then we basically middle and end of this movie. Yeah you know, without, they, without they,
0: problem. That's my point. Is it there's two versions of this movie where like, okay. Gene snaps. The the X-Men go to space. Gene snaps, becomes one with the Phoenix Force. Gene tries to hold it back. This is where the plot diverges. Mystique tries to talk Gene down. Gene snaps and kills Mystique. The X-Men divide on whether or not they're supposed to help or kill Gene. Movie goes from there. Everybody fights. Gene dies in an act of self-sacrifice. End of discussion. Or Gene seemingly kills Mystique, everybody divides, fights each other, Mystique shows up, proves that Gene isn't a murderer, then they're able to pull Mystique – or pull Gene back from the darkness. End of movie.
2: Either way,
0: we've seen this before. It's incredibly (laughs) bland. And there's – and like I think this – I would feel the stakes a lot more if – you know – if I if I felt like there were actual stakes there, and they didn't show us that that early, um, that said, there are parts of this movie that do look incredibly good. But again, a lot of that comes down to these to, to the cast. Um, I like I I hope I get to see an actual Magneto costume on Michael Fassbender. First of all. Um, I really hope that they don't boil him down to that goofy ass outfit they basically had Sebastian Shaw wear in X Men First Class, where it's just like you know, uh, like a dress coat, slacks, a shirt, and the Magneto helmet the whole time. Like I hope he actually like wears a suit. Um, I mean, with the amount of black he's wearing, I'd like him to wear that that black and silver suit he's worn in the comics before. Just as we uh, haven't seen uh, that one yet. Yeah, so, right. So There's like the sleeveless one, or maybe the white one, I don't know. But like, do like just put him in a suit, please, because we haven't seen an image of him in a suit, and it's kind of worrying me. Um you know, but like, you know, Michael Fassbender's acting his ass off, McAvoy's acting his ass off. Um, I've <laughs> I found this one loop on i was either twitter or where i don't or instagram i don't remember where i found it but it was this loop of that scene it's just like like charles tell me what to do i don't know what to do charles tell me what to do i don't know what to do like it was just a loop <laughs> of that conversation it's just on and on and on it was really funny um
2: yeah but yeah. but like we said before we can expect a a stellar performance from from mcavoy Fastbender, lawrence Holt, Turner, like we, we don't need to worry about them. It's just, it's, it's the, entirely the writing that's going to be the make or break of this movie, which at the moment looks like a
0: break. And, and this is another thing, again, like talking about the writing again, let's say mystique dies, or even if they want to make us think mystique is dead, it looks like we are getting our obligatory Quicksilver montage moment. Right after Gene fucking murders Mystique. The the, the whiplash that scene is going to have. From (laughs) like Mystique probably getting like blown to bits or incinerated or getting thrown back so hard that she like breaks her neck. Whatever it is, being immediately followed up by like, you know. Could save
2: time in a bottle yeah exactly yeah and all over the place doing his thing you know and unless they can keep the intensity like no i'm just i'm not just messing around right now like i'm not i'm not focused on saving the the other people in the situation and 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 moving the bullets out of the way you know if unless they they keep that scene really dark and have him just i'm going for you and I'm on the side that thinks you need to end right now. Then that's, like you said, the the whiplash with that.
0: Like I don't, I don't understand. Like that, that was one of the things that frightened me. the Like that was like seeing that, like, you know, I know it sounds like I have my mind made up. I'm just kind of predicting off of the past. I, d- I don't, I want this movie to be good. Oh, absolutely. I want it to be good. Like I want this to, I want this to defy the expectations that the other X-Men movies have set for it. It's just we're we not getting that vibe stuff like that. When I see stuff like this, like Mystique's going to get murdered and then we're going to have the goofy, you know, let's put on the classic rock music and watch Evan Peters run in fast slow-mo. What? How are those two scenes back to back with each other? It's like the it's like Guardians 2. Every serious moment was immediately followed up by a really bad bathos.
2: Oh, yeah, it's it's one of the we've discussed that at length. One of the reasons why I hated that movie, among other things, you know, it was so inconsistent. There was no narrative flow to it. It was just back and forth. And I really hope that that's not what we get.
0: Yeah, and like in the day, there's room for characters. You know, like something dark happens, and then like you try to make light of it, and you try to like keep the audience bouncing back and forth deliberately. That's one thing. But like with Guardians 2, the whole plot would come to a screeching halt to make a bad joke. Oh, yeah. And that's what it looks like that scene with Mystique is going to be, where it's going to be like, boom, massive carnage from the Phoenix Force, followed up by, you know, whatever classic rock song Evan Peters is running his ass off to. Um, so, yeah, I my bar my expectations are set incredibly low for Dark Phoenix. I don't care. I don't you know very soon this everything's gonna go back to Marvel and none uh, of this is gonna matter. So you're here, here. I don't you know and, oh ooh, that was a story. I meant to add um, comic book cast reported yesterday that the Fox Disney merger is finalized on March 20th. All right. So, In a week's time one week everything officially doesn't fucking matter (laughs) with the Fox (laughs) properties. Like nothing. Yeah. So (laughs) free reign to Hulk. Free reign. Free reign to Spider Man. No, no, not to Hulk and Spider Man though. That's uh, What? No, Fox has the X Men and the Fantastic Four. They share the rights with Sony for Spidey and they share the rights Uh, with Universal for Hulk. Oh, um, yeah. I'm not what you thought I was. <laughs> Most people don't understand how the rights work. I am the one, you know, I, the Yeah, uh, I, I, I,
2: I turn to you for all that garbage.
0: Yeah. Well, but that's the cool thing though, is like I said before, you're going to get way more characters, way more villains. You know, there's so much more we can do now, now that these characters are coming home. Um, and that's all I care about with the X-Men at this point. Like I'm not... I'm not holding my breath for anything X-Men until, you know, Kevin Feige gets to lay his Midas touch on the
2: movies. Post-merges,
0: yeah. Um, But, yeah, uh, other than that, I think that is all we have for you guys this week. Like I said, this is a long, meaty episode. Um, Lots to talk about news-wise. And be sure to check out the Captain Marvel episode one podcast back. We talked about the movie, had uh, lots of thoughts, lots of opinions, had a good time with it. Go give that a listen. Oh yeah, one of my f- my favorite
2: episode we've done so far, I think.
0: Captain Marvel review. Yeah, yeah it was it was so
2: much fun it's to talk about and to and to to share our opinions, and we really hope that uh, that you guys enjoy it whenever you see it or, or listen to it, rather. And we look forward to
0: ending in this episode and coming up. Yeah. Uh, you know we have Endgame right around the corner uh, be a Shazam huge right episode. around the corner Spider-Man Far From Home a lot, a of lot talk about coming down year. the line <laughs> yeah, we got a lot of comic book movies this year guys and it's going to be a really good time um, I'm trying to think are there any other Marvel movies after Far From Home I don't think so that's it yeah, I think Far From Home's it for a while so yep yeah uh spencer where can the nice people at home find you you can find me from the comfort of your couch
2: on instagram spence Man cosplays uh again there's not a whole lot of new stuff going uh, for cosplay wise although uh very recently i finished uh now, now I, i'm a student of history and so i got involved recently doing uh french and indian war reenactment group and so i'm putting my outfit together for that it's going to be cool uh once once i have all my pieces which are almost all in place then then i'll be posting some pictures on there don't know if it technically counts as cosplay but uh reenacting is is a is a hobby of mine and uh you can look forward to seeing it's some of that in the cosplay.
0: it's historical cosplay. yeah yeah that's
2: an excellent way of putting i'm a historical cosplayer you know but also so that's where you can find me. Uh, hit me up with a follow. I'll follow you back, probably. Uh, probably. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> like a little
0: quantifier there. Be like, unless I think you're crazy, then I might
2: not. <laughs> yeah, I get uh, some. Some if if your profile picture is is some booty cheeks, then you will not be receiving a follow from me. Um, <laughs> but uh, Jared, where can well, they? I don't find think it's an actual
0: can... person at that point. It's <laughs> someone who failed the I'm not a robot test. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Jared, yeah. where can they find you they can find me on uh, twitter and instagram at dark jedi uh be sure to follow do back discussion on twitter instagram and facebook and check out our other podcasts the do back discussion podcast where we talk all things star wars movie news and canon news the gore and more podcast it is a bi-weekly horror movie club style podcast talk about different horror movies lots of really really cool stuff coming down the pipeline from tj with that one um, he got to sit down and talk with a lot of cool people at a horror convention recently and i can't wait to for you guys to get to hear everything that came out of that and really soon we're going to be getting a star wars lore and theory podcast off the ground called bantha babble it's more of a reboot uh of that show and It'll be a lot of fun. Talk, and that'll just be lore or do is going to be your star Wars news. Bantha Babel is just going to be lore and theories. You know, we do not have any type of responsibility to type of accurate reporting. So we can go fucking nuts with Bantha Babel. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. And then you can follow both Spencer and myself at new regime cosplay, our cosplay group, uh, gearing up for steel city con very soon. Going to have lots of cosplay content coming out from that. So, yeah, I think that's it for this episode. And be sure to tune in at the same bat time on the same bat channel next week. Have a good one, guys. Mr. President, you asked to see me. I know you're busy. What do you need, sir?
1: Sir, I want to give you a word of warning. Sir, I don't know what you heard, but whatever it is, Jefferson started it. Thomas Jefferson resigned this morning. You're kidding. I need a favor. Whatever you say, sir. Jefferson will pay for this behavior. Talk less. I'll use the press. I'll write under a pseudonym. You'll see what I can do to him. I need you to draft an address. Yes, he resigned. You can finally speak your mind. No. He's stepping down so he can run for president. (laughs) Good luck defeating you, sir. I'm stepping down. I'm not running for president. I'm sorry, what? One last time Relax, have a drink with me One last time Let's take a break tonight And then we'll teach him how to say goodbye Just say goodbye You and I talk about neutrality with Britain and France on the verge of war is this the best time? I want to warn against partisan fighting. Pick up a pen, start writing. I want to talk about what I have learned. The hard-won wisdom I have earned. As far as the people are concerned, you have to serve. You could continue to serve. One last time. The people will hear from me one last time. And if we get this right, we're gonna teach them how to say goodbye You and I Mr. President, they will say you're weak No, they will see we're strong Your position is so unique So I'll use it to move them along Why do you have to say goodbye? If I say goodbye, the nation learns to move on me when I'm gone. Like the scripture says, everyone shall sit under their own vine and fig tree, and no one shall make them afraid. They'll be safe in the nation we've made. I want to sit under my own vine and fig tree, a moment alone in the shade, at home. This nation we've made, one last time, one last time. Though in reviewing the incidents of my administration, I am unconscious of intentional error, I am nevertheless too sensible of my defects not to think it probable that I may have committed many errors. I shall also carry with me the hope that my country will view them with indulgence, the and that after 45 years of my life dedicated to its service with an upright zeal, the faults of incompetent abilities will be consigned to oblivion, as I myself will soon be to the mansions of rest. I anticipate with pleasing expectation that retreat. In which I, I promise, promise myself to realize the sweet enjoyment of partaking, of partaking in the midst of my fellow citizens. The benign influence of a good laws of the free, free government. government the ever favorite object of my heart. And the happy reward, as I trust, of our mutual care. Labors and dangers. One last time George Washington's going home Teach him how to say goodbye George Washington's going home